Hey, what's up, listeners? My name's Tyler, and you're listening to Horror's Home Podcast. 2022 is coming to an end, and today I'm going to be listing my top 10 horror movies of the year. There have been a lot, including the return of several horror icons, such as Leatherface, Pinhead, Michael Myers, and Ghostface. So many psychological thrillers, found footage, elevated horror, anthologies, exorcisms, remakes, holiday horror, slashers, and even horror comedies. There was the 11th season of American Horror Story, New York City, the second season of Chucky, another season of American Horror Stories, and Netflix's Cabinet of Curiosities from Guillermo del Toro. A bit of everything for everyone. Not in my top 10, but I literally just finished watching a movie called Student Body on Showtime. For a fun high school slasher, you should give it a try. It also has Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn, in it. Well, I'm going to take a quick musical break and then get into my list of my 10 favorite horror movies of 2022. Starting with number 10 on my list, coming right before the end of the year, is Yule Log, a.k.a. The Fireplace, directed by Casper Kelly. Made by Adult Swim and released on HBO Max just a couple weeks before Christmas, the film presents itself as a typical holiday loop for about two minutes before transitioning into a full horror film. I kept reading about this twist online, and I gave it a watch myself a few weeks ago. Several elements are utilized in the film, like found footage or POV, there's flashbacks, there's like talks of urban legends and serial killers, even demons and aliens. It took a bit to get started, but the hype and even, even the events of the film kept my interest, so I just kept watching, and eventually it got going. I don't want to give away much, but the story comes in layers, almost like an anthology, but not quite. I will say that by the end of it, it's definitely like an out-there horror comedy, one of which I can imagine seeing air on Adult Swim, similar to their like live-action series that they've had through time, because they're always just really weird and out there. Like You turn them on and you don't even know what they're about. So all to be wrapped up by the end of this movie, my biggest thought was, what did I just watch? If you have patience for it to get started and are in the right mood for like this wild idea of a film, definitely check out The Fireplace. Next on my list at number nine is Smile, directed by Parker Finn. It's his directorial debut and is based off his 2020 short titled Laura Hasn't Slept. I just watched that the other day on YouTube and it's only like 11 or 13 minutes. So check that out before or after you watch this, it doesn't really matter. It stars Susie Bacon as a therapist named Rose Cotter, who after witnessing the bizarre suicide of a patient goes through increasingly disturbing and daunting experiences, leading her to believe what she's experiencing is supernatural. I was hesitant to check out Smile by the previews. It just seemed like a generic premise where you see someone smile and they kill themselves and then it's passed on to you. Such a simple, simple premise made me think of movies like Truth or Dare or Countdown, which to be fair, I also enjoyed them for their simple storylines. After seeing all the positive reviews and popularity Smile received online, I decided why not and checked it out myself and it turns out I actually liked it. It's not an amazing film, but given the plot, it could have been a lot worse. It exceeded my expectations. Um, another podcast I listened to, Horror Movie Club, in their conversation, they compared it to It Follows or The Ring, which I think helped me put the film into a good perspective. 
not that it's necessarily going to be remembered at the same caliber as those movies, but I can see the connection with it have to do with a, a curse being passed on from one person to another. It's a well done film that looks good, has a lot of jump scares. You could tell that by the trailer. Has well acted performances too, and a pretty intense and stylish ending with a really cool monster at the end. Number eight is a movie that's gotten a lot of praise and that's Fresh, which is directed by Mimi Cave, starring Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. Fresh is about the horrors of modern dating that are seen through the eyes of a young woman who is battling to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. That's what the synopsis says anyway, but I'll put it more simple. It involves selling body parts to be bought and eaten. This movie has a number of relatable dating pool rituals for the audience with its awkward or cringy and sometimes questionably innocent interactions. It's not a secret that the story takes a turn and underlying tensions become known. You can you find all this out just in the trailer, so I'm not really spoiling that. Toxic masculinity ma masculinity is a reoccurring theme for horror movies, especially in recent years, and Fresh keeps that topic front and center. This movie doesn't stretch too far visually with its blood and gore, but the implications are still enough to keep tension as the story unfolds and can easily make a person uncomfortable, especially whenever you're thinking about what's being taken away. Um, unlike typical horror movies involving body horror, the setting and the shots of the film are mostly clean, smooth, and polished. It's a small cast, but Daisy and Sebastian both deliver tremendous performances. Noah's character is so likable that you can't help but want her to prevail. If you haven't already, check out Fresh on Hulu. Even the trailer will get you kind of pumped to watch the movie. Number seven, seeming to have come out of nowhere, is Barbarian, which is written and directed by Zach Kreger, starring Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. The plot sees a woman find out that the rental house she reserved has been accidentally double-booked with a man, while not knowing of a dark secret within the dwelling. I recall seeing short trailers for the film and it really not giving away much. Leading up to its release, I hadn't even heard much about it. Then I listened to Horror Movie Club and they warned listeners, if there's one movie you don't have spoiled for you and you go blind into, it should be this one. So I didn't listen to their review, I didn't listen to the episode. I just went to the theater, I think the very next week, and saw it myself, and I'm so glad that I went into it blind. More commentaries on toxic masculinity that make you guess if characters are innocent or if there are deeper plans awaiting. There's a lot of tension in this movie, and the tone shift like three or four times, and it almost feels like a three to four part story. It was another nice surprise when this movie popped back up in September. Because uh, I already loved Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in It. He was in the movie Villains. He was on the show Hemlock Grove and Castle Rock. Everyone knows Justin Long because he's been in so many TV series. He's been in a lot of comedies and other horror movies in time like Je Jeepers Creepers, Tusk, Drag Me to Hell. And released around the same time as this movie, there was a movie called House of Darkness. I'm not really familiar with Georgina's work aside from an episode of Black Mirror but she also gave a great performance and her likable character had pure intentions and was really smart. If you haven't really seen the spoilers for this movie, even though it's been a couple months now, I definitely urge you to not look into it and just go watch this movie blind because it is a ride. Just the twists and turns, 
it's a movie that everyone needs to see if you're a horror movie fan. Even casual movie fans probably enjoy it. It does get pretty out there, but I'm not going to ruin that for you. So check out Barbarian. Right now, it's on HBO Max. Number six is Terrifier 2, which is the long-awaited sequel to Terrifier from 2016. Directed by Damien Leone and starring David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown. Art first appeared in a 2009 short film titled The Ninth Circle, and then again in 2011, the short film Terrifier, which I haven't seen either of those and I need to look them up. In 2013, Art the Clown was in a segment of the anthology film All Hallows Eve before the full-length film in 2016. Even if you haven't seen these movies, you'd probably recognize Art the Clown. He's become a modern horror and slasher icon with all the film's over-the-top kills and gruesome practical effects. Terrifier 2 follows Sienna and her brother, Jonathan, as they are stalked and pursued by Art on Halloween night, which is one year after the events of the first film. The film's runtime is over two hours, which may seem like a lot for a B-movie slasher, but only a couple of scenes came to mind like where I thought they were kind of dragging out. Other than that, there's so much to enjoy. If you've seen the first film, then you'll know what these movies are and that they're a love letter to classic slashers with their music, the tone, and violence. Plus, just having a creepy clown on the screen, I feel like there aren't enough clown movies. So if you haven't already, check out Terrifier. You don't have to watch All Hallows Eve to understand Terrifier. And then definitely catch up with Terrifier 2 because a lot of people said that was like the Halloween movie of the year. If you like clowns, if you like slashers, if you like gore, then this is definitely a movie worth checking out. Now halfway down my list at number five is X, which is a slasher film directed by Ty West, starring Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, and Kid Cudi. The film follows a cast and crew who gather to make a pornographic film on an elderly couple's Texas property, but find themselves threatened by an unlikely killer. I did a review for X earlier this year, so check that out for more in-depth look at the film's plot. Set in the 70s and in Texas, of course the Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes to mind as an influence for X. The hot Texas sun and the farm create this vintage, grimy, dusty setting for the characters to be stalked and attacked one by one. There's all these gruesome kills, along with the mystery element of the story of why it's happening. I love the cast with Mia Goth, who was also in the Suspiria remake, so I'm familiar with her, and Jenna Ortega, who's known for playing Wednesday in the Netflix Adams Family series that just came out last month. She was also in Scream from this year at the beginning of the year, and The Babysitter Killer Queen from a few years ago. Mia Goth also plays a second character in the movie, Pearl. She's the older woman, and in this film, she went to play Pearl in the prequel to X that came out earlier this year. On top of the cast, I really enjoy the works of Ty West, He's made movies like The Roost, which is really unknown. Um, the House of the Devil, which a lot of people like, has a cult following. Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, which is just gross, but fun follow-up to the original Cabin Fever by Eli Roth. He also made The Innkeepers and another movie called The Sacrament. Next year, we're going to get a third film in this trilogy, picking up 10 years later. It's called Maxine. This year has been full of A24 movies, but this one has to be my favorite. Number four is Hellraiser on Hulu, directed by David Bruckner. It's a reboot of the original Hellraiser franchise, which both are based off the Clive Barker novella, The Hellbound Heart. I did a review with my friend Hannah back in October, so check out that episode as well. I do enjoy all the Hellraiser movies, but the quality can vary, and I feel like most people can say that about 
the movies that are later on in the franchise because I think this is the 10th one. My biggest issue with the movie is that I couldn't really get behind any of the main characters. I didn't necessarily care what happened to them, but that can typically be the case for these long time running franchises and their iconic killers. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, you watch it for Freddy. Friday 13th, you watch for Jason. Halloween, you watch for Michael. You don't watch it necessarily for the survivors because especially as the franchises go on, it's just introducing new characters. But um, Jamie Clayton, who played Pinhead, delivered and exceeded a high expectation performance that I just couldn't get enough of. I wish we could have seen this carnation of Pinhead more. So I really hope to see a return to this film's universe in the future because they really could grow from here. It got mixed reviews, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see a sequel. So I haven't heard anything yet. I know there's a Hellraiser series, but that's not connected to this movie at all. The Cenobites costume designs in this movie are really grotesque and seem like the proper evolutionary step for a modern reimagining rather than the 80s original. Just all how their bodies are just torn and hooks are pinning them back. It's a lot to look at. If you just look up images of their, their demonically modified bodies to see what I'm talking about. Clearly with the name Hellraiser, there are a handful of pretty intense violent scenes, including like chains, barbed wire, skin pulling, tearing, blood. There's a lot. So just be prepared for that. Number three on my list is The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson, starring Ethan Hawke. The two reunited after also working on another favorite horror film of mine, Sinister, from 2012. The Black Phone is adapted from Joe Hill's 2004 short story, follows Finn, an abducted teenager who uses a mysterious phone to communicate with previous victims of his deranged captor known as the Grabber. Usually, I don't like a younger main character, as they tend to just be ignorant or immature, or even just a liability, but Finn was a well-written one. He tries to be smart and uses logic for the terrible situation that he's in. To me, though, the best part of this movie was Ethan Hawke playing the villain. I wish he was seen more on screen. He has several creepy masks, all of which are referring to like how he feels. Like there's like a happy face, there's a sad face, there's ones without the top, there's ones without the bottom. His um, intimidating mind games that he plays and traps for Finn, and even just his body language or the voice that he uses to like be intimidating or mysterious or scary. He's just a, such a cool villain, and I enjoyed this movie so much that I wish they would like make a prequel just to dive into his character some more. Even though he is like a bad guy, clearly, it could make for an interesting backstory or previous event for the grabber. Number two is titled Scream, which is the fifth in the franchise that came out earlier this year. I love Ghostface, I love all the films, and even watched the short TV series. This was the first film since Scream 4 in 2011. It's also the first film since Wes Craven passed away. The directors Matt and Tyler both directed Ready or Not in 2019, that was an exceed, exceedingly well-made film given the premise, so I had no doubt that they were going to do a great job with making Scream. Movies have changed a lot since 2011, so the meta aspect of the film had more context to utilize this time around concerning remakes, sequels, or as they call them, requels, elevated horror, and more. Some of the new casts are recognizable from recent movies like Dylan Minetti, I think that's how you say his last name, from Don't Breathe, open house on netflix and even goosebumps whenever he was a little younger also as previously mentioned jenna ortega is in the film 
Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette all reprised their roles for the fifth film, even with its focus on the new characters. This scream, without a doubt, is the most brutal to date. Several kills are in the daytime, keeping the murders front and center on screen, and they were just violent, and I loved every second of it. Moving forward with the times, but still paying tribute to the films that came before, I can't wait to see the next installment of Scream. It's coming out in March of 2023. So that brings me to number one on my list, Halloween Ends. This is the finale to the H40 trilogy directed by David Gordon Green. Started in 2018 with Halloween, taking place 40 years after the original, followed by Halloween Kills in 2021. Halloween Ends was a very divisive film for critics and audiences, but I loved it. It took a story that's been told time and time again and prolonged for a total of 13 films, essentially four different timelines, and captured what I thought was a solid ending for this timeline in particular. Michael Myers is a horror icon, so I have no doubt he will return to the big screen in some fashion, especially for how much money these movies have made. But this storyline was a well-told imagining, in my opinion. Um, as I told in my review for the film, this felt like a Stephen King 80s movie with its characters, their pasts following them, the effects of bullying, trauma, fear, urban legends, on top of somewhat a romantic angle that was in this movie. Not to mention the soundtrack, both original score and like plugged in tracks that made it feel like it was the 80s, which of course John Carpenter did the soundtrack with his son and the third guy, I forget his name. The film had its shortcomings as everyone does, but I was able to overlook those easily um, so I could just enjoy and it made me want to watch Halloween ends over and over. Like I think I've watched it four times now. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but I think about this movie all the time. I listen to the soundtrack on Spotify a lot. So in this movie, you get Laurie Strode. You get Michael Myers killing the citizens of Haddonfield. The granddaughter, Allison, finally getting a character arc. Um, the new plot involving the character, Corey. All of that on top of the movie paying tribute to other films throughout the franchise that came before it. Especially after the last two films. What more could you want? I mean, I even gave it a 5 out of 5, I believe, and I think that's the only movie I've done that to. So, Halloween Ends, I think right now it's on Peacock. So if you haven't watched it yet, that's my number one for 2022. Well, that wraps up my list. So many movies came out this year I didn't get to, like Resurrection, starring Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, or VHS 99, the newest addition to the found footage anthology series. Both those are on Shudder. A24 also released the films Men and Bodies, 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 David Cronenberg, who directed movies like The Fly remake in the 80s, Rabid, and Videodrome. He returned to body horror genre with his film Crimes of the Future. The Firestarter remake was surprisingly enjoyable and had music composed by John Carpenter. Pray for the Devil was a nice watch for fans of Exorcist films. I actually saw that one in theaters and it was better than I thought it'd be. Straight to Streaming got... Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix, and They Slash Them on Peacock. Next year, I'm looking forward to so many movies like Evil Dead Rise, which I love the Evil Dead remake. It's supposed to be a little different. It's going to be taking place in a city setting rather than in the, a cabin in the woods. Um, Saw is getting the 10th entry in its franchise. Maxine, which I mentioned earlier from Ty West starring Mia Goth. Infinity Pool, which is directed by Brandon Cronenberg who is David Cronenberg's son, 
and we're getting Scream 6 coming out in March. I'm even interested in Megan being produced by James Wan and Jason Blum. That's like this doll mechanical... It's a like a robot doll horror movie, and that's supposed to be coming out in early January. I would love to hear your opinions on this episode and your favorite horror movies of the year. Follow me on Instagram at Horror is Home and on Facebook. Please give me a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That really helps. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate you all. And until next time, Happy New Year.